Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. So welcome to our Proclaim podcast. I am back again with Deacon Richard Conlin and Raf Salvino. Deacon-elect Raf Salvino. Is that the right term? Yes. Yes. The next uh, couple of weeks. Correct. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we had you on for uh, a previous episode on just sharing some of your story and your heart for mission and uh, a little bit of how you've grown as missionary disciples. Today, we're going to take uh, some time to talk about accompaniment and in particular, some of the experience and what you've learned with CCO's intentional accompaniment framework and the masterclass that you uh, participated in. But first, I'd love to start with uh, a quote from Evangelii Gaudium. Uh, that Pope Francis wrote on what he invited uh, all of us into, which is called the art of accompaniment. So this is what it says in paragraph 169. The church will have to initiate everyone, priests, religious, laity, into this art of accompaniment, which teaches us to remove our sandals before the sacred ground of the other. The pace of this accompaniment must be steady and reassuring, reflecting our closeness and our compassionate gaze, which also heals, liberates, and encourages growth in the Christian life. So that those four or five lines is, is packed with imagery, with insight, with uh, an invitation to take action in this area of accompaniment. So let's open up the conversation around uh, this idea of accompanying another person as a missionary disciple. Mm. Yeah, just that, that first word about art of accompaniment, that's a form of art. And I just think with art, it's messy and it's okay that it that it's messy and that's good, that you can just try your best and you'll learn so much in the process and just getting underway and actually participating in accompaniment, just having a relationship with someone else. It's just so good to actually begin that process. And then just the second point that comes to mind is removing the sandals before someone else. Uh, after mass this morning, it was it's first Friday and we bring the blessed sacrament from the altar to the Adoration Chapel. And as I accompanied Father Hamilton in that procession, it was so edifying to see the reverence that people showed to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament as we as we moved the Blessed Sacrament to the Adoration Chapel. But then I realized like everyone has just received Holy Communion and we need to show that, we should be showing that same reverence to people as they leave. Like imagine if we had that reverence to remove our sandals before other people in realizing that that God is in them too and to see that this person is made in the image and likeness of God, that God deeply loves this person. And if we can have those eyes of faith when we look at someone else, then we are going to deeply desire to accompany this person. What a privilege it is to enter into their lives uh, because the Lord has chosen them and deeply desires to um, have a relationship with them as well. So those are 
at least two points that come to mind off the bat. I love uh, reading and hearing about accompaniment in the context of gospel proclamation. I don't know about you, but when I think of preaching the gospel, I just have those very biblical images of one man, one woman standing in front of a crowd and just speaking, arms flailing about, you know, really speaking passionately. But here we're talking about accompaniment as preaching the gospel. And it's a very interesting mental shift for me to think of one person preaching to a crowd to two people walking side by side. And both are legitimate forms of proclaiming the gospel. Of So the walking side by side. And another thing that struck me in just this little excerpt you just read, Eric, is the pace of this accompaniment must be steady and reassuring. It sounds like a nice phrase, but then as, as I dig into it more, I think this is really an invitation to a very long-term type of proclamation. A kind of proclamation where I'm committing to stay with someone. And I think we had talked about this in the earlier episode too. You had mentioned it, Deacon Richard, just like this. Staying with someone, building a relationship over a longer period of time. It's not simply, I'm going to say that magic word and then they're going to be convinced. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to walk, to walk with them so much that they actually know of my compassionate gaze. And not my compassionate gaze, but the gaze of Christ in me. And so the accompaniment, I see it as an invitation to a long-term relationship that ultimately prepares the other person to receive and grow in Christ. Mm. Yeah, no, you nailed it, Raph. Like I just, as you were explaining, I was just thinking of Jesus and how Jesus is the master of the art of accompaniment. And when you look at what he did, he chose a group of 12 people and he intentionally accompanied these people. He was steady with them three years, reassuring. They messed up a lot, but he, he said that he was committed to them until the end. And so when we can actually have this uh, lens in which we read the Gospels, if you really want to learn the art of accompaniment, uh, have this new vision in which you read the Gospel of the day or whatever it may be. Okay, Jesus, teach me how to accompany this person. You're the master of it. You're the master at it. You are the artist. Teach me, show me how to do it with this person in my life. Yeah, I'm thinking of the first invitation that he makes. Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. That first part of the invitation is the invitation to be accompanied. And the second part is the end or, you know, where I'm trying to take you. And so the accompaniment certainly is the, the relationship, the spending time, meals together, doing life, you know, all of the different dynamics of, of friendship. Uh, and Jesus had in mind though where he wanted to take his disciples and i can see that as well that uh, in proclaim there could be some listeners and some people who are looking at proclaim and thinking all you want me to do is proclaim jesus like all you want me to do is to to preach and to uh, not consider the relationship and what i appreciate about uh, this invitation to accompaniment is that what, we, what we're putting together is our desire to be in relationship because we have relationships. Uh, we, we're, we're putting that beside the mission to share Jesus with others so that 
in God's time, as he prompts, as he opens the opportunities, we know where we want to take someone. We know where our um, where fulfillment in uh, not only in our own hearts, but in the hearts of others can be fully realized uh, so that uh, we do have in mind, I will make you fishers of men as we're, you know, accompanying others. Mm. Yeah. And that was something that was so providential about uh, the invitation that we were given to join the intentionally coming to masterclass because Raphael and I had just been formed really well for six years in the seminary. And then we were at this transition phase in which we were learning how do we bring what we learned at seminary into the parish setting. And there was perfect timing in which we had an intentional accompaniment masterclass in which we learned uh, the more specifics. We had greater time to reflect upon how we can actually use this theological knowledge or whatever we've read from books to the specific people that are at our parish, the people that we want to journey with. And so it was uh, very providential in the timing for us in that transition phase. Mm -hmm. So Catholic Christian Outreach puts on a, an intentional accompaniment masterclass. That's the invitation uh, that you that was given to each of you. And uh, just for our listeners to grasp a little bit of uh, the masterclass and the term intentional accompaniment, uh, Catholic Christian Outreach uses that term intentional accompaniment for a framework and a, um, I guess, a very practical way to live out the art of accompaniment. So just to make sure, you know, for our listeners, we, we take a little bit of time to, to break that open. So each of you participated in the intentional accompaniment masterclass. And some of it you would have heard before, like you said, Deacon Richard, some of it you would have learned theoretically, and then you were invited to also look at it practically. So let's talk, let's break it open a little bit. So what are some of the things that you learned in the intentional accompaniment masterclass? Well, I had I had read this passage that we read earlier about accompaniment, and I have to admit there was a little nagging doubt at the back of my mind that said, "Really, this just sounds like I'm being asked to hang out. Like, where's where's the? Is there not anything greater?" And it, it's it's the almost the opposite of what you had mentioned earlier, Eric, of another you know kind of rebuttal that says, "Oh, it's just." proclamation 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 so i was suffering from the opposite where i thought this is just a nice way of saying hanging out well i don't need an invitation of that i like hanging out but the intentional accompaniment masterclass showed me that exactly like you said earlier eric if i'm truly accompanying someone i have the end goal in sight and not only that it's not an end goal that ends with me I work on this relationship with this person that I'm accompanying because I truly do love them and care for them, but it doesn't, that's not the end goal just to have a better relationship. It's to lead them closer to Christ. I remember one little catchphrase that was thrown around in the class was, I'm not the hero in another story. And Deacon Richard, I think you alluded to this in the, in the last episode we did, but really that was one of my takeaways. I'm not the hero in another story. And if I keep repeating that to myself, that's how I can be sure that I'm doing accompaniment well. It avoids both extremes. So, so in considering the accompaniment masterclass, I think each week there might have been an invitation to try to 
apply something in within your ministry or within your life? I can't remember exactly, but uh, what was some of the ways that you found yourself applying intentional accompaniment in in your day-to-day life and in your ministry? Mm. At that time, we were starting uh, a senior youth ministry and a young adult ministry, and we had these upcoming events. And so initially, just the general email blast and then a realization, I need to reach out to all of these people, send them a text or a phone call or, or a Facebook messenger, at least some way to show that I care about this person individually. And it's amazing how the majority of people that showed up were a result of uh, the youth ministry coordinator and myself sending personal messages to these people. And so that all of a sudden became uh, really clear that there has to be this intentionality to the invitation for this person. And so I got to see it lived out in my own ministry. And then going forward, something that we've done in the RCA program is we've made a commitment to everyone in the RCA program that we will intentionally accompany them. And what happens is that after every Thursday night for our RCA class, we take notes upon what were some of the key insights that they've had. And then we send follow-up emails uh, with other links or uh, other insights that we have. And we just continually extend that invitation for more dialogue with them throughout the week. And um, last night was the first time where we started to hear some positive feedback about this different approach and how meaningful it was for certain people that we were willing to go beyond just the once a week uh, program, but actually we were committed to journeying with this person throughout the year. What I love about that is in the Catholic Church, we're blessed with so many programs, resources, and just like a wealth of materials. And it would be super easy at that point to say, hey, what, what's your issue? Okay, you're, you're wondering about this? Go to this, go to this, look it up, good, you're done. But it's not that. It's There's that extra added step of, like, what, what do you need? What does this person really need at this moment? And I'll make that little extra effort. And it makes, it sounds like it's making the world of a difference. And yeah, that that's exciting. That's really exciting. Especially now that you're receiving the, the positive feedback and it's being well received and worth whatever little extra effort was put into it. Mm-hmm. The intentional accompaniment and accompaniment in general invites us to personally know the people that we're accompanying. So a blast email can't do that. It's it's something that could be seen as programmatic or canned or impersonal because it, or promotional. Uh, but what you're saying is you took the time to make a personal invitation. And I think when considering uh, accompaniment in the missionary lens, uh, knowing the people and knowing where they're at is so important because it gives us insight into the next invitation or not even in the next invitation, but you know, what, what are they struggling with? What are the questions that they're asking at this time? And how can I come alongside that to help help grow the awareness that God's doing a work in them? So you might have someone who is very far from relationship with Jesus. And you know, essentially what you might be considering is actions that would help grow the relationship or uh, share stories of how Jesus has been relevant in your life. 
and then you might have someone in your in your ministry in in your life that is an intentional disciple but have has never heard or have has never had the opportunity to consider sharing it with others so you know taking the time to think outside of ourselves and outside of our own plans and outside of our own parish structures and to think where is someone at and what do they need and what's the holy spirit doing in all of that i think is such an important part to uh to the principle of of accompaniment absolutely what i hear when you're saying that is effectively what we call prophetic listening and i th- regardless of the where the person you're you're accompanying is in terms of their spiritual life there's one thing that is common to every single accompaniment relationship and that is the necessity that we are listening um, there's that image of i have one ear to the person and the other ear to heaven i'm actually calling on the holy spirit to give me insight and guidance and to really hear what's underneath what someone says not so i can just blast them with the the correct um, catechetical response as true as that is but so i can really address the need that christ wants to fulfill in them and it's through that prophetic listening that two-way listening mm-hmm. let's yeah. talk a little bit about prophetic listening um when i hear that term uh if, if or f- for someone who's heard that who's hearing that this term for the first time it can sound a little bit intimidating prophetic listening like do you have some sort of secret way of hearing what god is saying and also uh are you seeing the future uh you know is it are you being a prophet in that sense so you know in your own words tell me more about prophetic listening Listening is so challenging today. We all struggle with listening well. Being fully engaged to actually listen to the person and not have an interior dialogue about what you're going to say next, but to fully listen to them, that's the first step, listening well. And then when you care about the person, when you care about relationship with them, and you know that you want to bring this person to the Lord, you can't help but in the midst of listening to this person out of your desire to to be with them, to feel certain inspirations that might come about. Uh, so it's not something complex, but it begins with being fully engaged with listening to the person and, and out of that uh, to have an openness for where the conversation might go. The Lord's fully at work in your life when you're with this person. It's not as though you have to acquire some special skill to be able to do prophetic listening. You have the full capabilities by your baptism for prophetic listening. It's ultimately just listening really well to the person out of a relationship that you have with them. And that's where great things can happen. And it'll be a skill that you develop. Uh, I still mess up with it all the time. But even as we speak about it, that's one of the privileges of realizing that I need to continue to grow in this ability. I find that very encouraging because, like you're saying, because of the grace of our baptism and because ultimately we're just doing this for, for God's glory, occasionally when we're prophetically listening, we may sense that impulse or that little intuition that maybe maybe now's the time to ask uh, a deeper question or a more difficult question. 
and that will come with the little risk of maybe messing up. But the fallback, the safety net there is the context of the relationship I've built with this person and the fact that I'm doing this for the glory of God. God has got my back. And so it's okay, like you were saying earlier, Deacon Richard, it's okay to make mistakes. <laughs> it's going to happen. And and in my experience, at least, most of these mistakes are little mistakes we make in conversation anyways. And the kind that you can just laugh off. Like, you know, you might ask a question that goes a little deeper than someone's comfortable with. And they kind of hint that they're not ready for that. And you just back off. Or maybe a quick apology. And there's no harm done. And if anything, the trust is reinforced through that that little exchange. Because if think of that example and then contrast it to the other example, which is not prophetic listening, where as they're speaking... I'm just thinking about, I'm not, I'm barely listening to them. I'm just crafting my immediate apologetic response. And I'm just going to hit them with the truth and hit them hard. And then that's, and then the conversation very quickly devolves, if it doesn't just entirely collapse, just devolves into this, how would you call it? Like a debate, I guess. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Okay. So what I'm hearing is one the practical skill of listening in general is a big part of prophetic listening. Uh, two, uh, the prophetic part of prophetic listening is ultimately hearing what God might be doing in another person's life through what they're saying and through what they're experiencing. So it's not even some sort of hyper-spiritual, like, you know, I received an image last night of this guy and now I need to move him in a particular way or anything or, you know, or there's a scripture verse that really just kind of like, you know, came to life as soon as I saw him. Like they're, they're not sort of like these sort of epiphany moments. It's, it's very practical. It's, it's the guy who's sitting with you and he's saying, man, I just, I just don't know how I'm going to figure this out. And all of a sudden, you, you, with, with your ears, you know, one to hearing that, one hearing what he's saying, one hearing perhaps what the Holy Spirit's saying, there could be something practical in the, the very question questioning of that that gentleman's heart or that person's heart and so the next step there like you know how would be you know what what's the holy spirit kind of doing in that one question that that they're asking Mm. yeah like you can even take it this way like by your baptism you are a prophet that's just the reality of your life and if you can listen to another person that's prophetic listening the lord as raf was sharing the lord is at your back. He's got your back. He's there. He's active in it. By your baptism, you're a prophet. Accept the reality of your life. If you can listen well, in that space of listening well, the Lord will speak through you and to that other person. And prophetic listening can be as simple as that. Someone who's baptized, who's listening well. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know what, Deacon Richard, I actually really love that you said that because as I was going through um, kind of a more difficult part of my discernment, like really at a crossroads, I was talking to a family member who uh, she's baptized, but she's not gone to church in decades. And I remember we were just hanging out over dinner and she was asking, you know, how's this uh, priesthood thing going, you know, and and I, I, I shared a little bit. And she just asked one very simple question that 
just struck the issue on the head. And it always remained kind of a, a mystery to me of like, why was she, how did, how was she able to cut through to the core of the issue when so many of these other people who are following Christ daily weren't? And now I wonder if perhaps simply because of her baptism. I, I wonder, I have to wonder. But I say that also, I share that also as an encouragement of just, yeah, there's God, God is working in this. And it can be something as simple as a question over dinner that can really lead someone like myself to to the next major step in their life. And it was just a simple question. So, One thing I appreciate about the intentional accompaniment model that CCO offers, one is that it's such a clear pathway and kind of, you know, kind of practical invitation to invite people not only to consider discipleship with Jesus, but then to consider their own missionary discipleship in, in all of that. Um, but I think as well, the more intentional we can get about understanding the moments in our lives and the relationships that we have, um, the more we can begin to open up and, and, and ask for graces that can help someone uh, encounter God. So, you know, as you mentioned, you have a friend, you know, he said something that struck you, uh, but didn't really know that, you know, maybe there was a grace that was coming through, through that. So I think uh, as we begin to understand intentional accompaniment, where we're going, as we have tools in our tool belt and some structure in place, then grace can build on that. And, um, and I think that's something that I appreciate about intentional accompaniment. So uh, let's go back to some of the practicals that, you know, you're going to take with intentional accompaniment uh, in, yeah, in ministry. I, when I did the intentional accompaniment class, I was taking notes. And as I was reviewing the notes for the, those six sessions, I realized more and more I was just talking about listening. And then in that last session, I just wrote listening, 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 listening. That's the summary for me, at least. And, and I write that because it's just such a fundamental skill, just the skill of listening. And I, 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 if, I can, if I can be a good listener, I am confident that the Holy Spirit is working through me. Mm. That, that brings me back to that matchmaker idea as well. If you're not listening to the people, if you don't know the needs of the people and what they desire, uh, then your 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 ability to preach and to bring the good news will not match with what where they're at. And so it's so essential to listen well to the other people, and you can be able to reflect upon that when you have a conversation with someone and you leave, like are, how deeply aware are you of where they're at in the journey? When you think of someone in your life that you want to bring to the Lord, how well do you listen to that person? How well are you aware of where they're at in the journey and what are their needs? What are their hopes, their fears, desires? And it all just begins with listening well. You know, people crave to be listened well to. Like in our culture, it is so rare to have someone be fully engaged and just listen. And so when someone realizes that another person's listening well to them, uh, there's something special about that. And they just feel uh, so welcome and 
it creates an environment in which the Lord can truly work in that, in which you can be a prophet by your baptism. You got it by your baptism. <laughs> Listen well, and good things will happen. I've got a quick story. I don't know if, if, it's, if it's relevant, but several years ago, Deacon Richard and I did a summer program in the States. We were in Omaha. And one of the seminarians who's now a priest actually has a friend in Omaha. And he said, who, who doesn't practice the faith, but he said, when you're down there, you guys should just meet up, you know, go for dinner or something. And that's exactly what we did. So we went for dinner. Uh, the three of us, myself, Deacon Richard, and and this uh, friend of another seminarian, and we're talking about all kinds of random stuff. And he knows we're there to study, take a little summer course on priesthood. At the end of it, at the end of our conversation, we're paying our bills and getting ready to go. And he said, you know what I noticed about you two? At no point did you ever check your phone. At no point in this three-hour time we were hanging out. And that, for him, and somehow we're just, oh, okay, thank you. But then from there, and then began this conversation about, yeah, I used to grow up, uh, you know, we'd go to church. And and he started sharing some really deep things about some past hurts. And I was amazed at how something as simple as just focusing our attention on him in a very natural way and, and something as simple as not checking our phone had built up a level of trust over the course of that conversation that he felt that he could trust us enough to just share a little bit of some difficulties in his past. And the conversation ends with something like, well, if, if you ever priests in your back in Omaha, I'd love to come to church with you or something like that. And it's amazing. <laughs> All we did was not check our phones. I don't know if you remember mm. that. but Yeah, no, I remember <laughs> that really well. And that And that just makes me think of the people that, are involved in my life right now and how easy it is to be looking at my phone <laughs> when I'm talking with them and how I need to put that down. I need to put the phone away, put it on airplane mode and fully listen to the person that I'm with that I care about. And out of that decision, um, that's where truly great things can happen when you, when you realize the people that you love, that you want to bring to the Lord, it begins with just listening well to them. Here's another take on this whole listening thing. And uh, I think the skill of listening is something that we're all working on and, and we, you know, we want to get better. I know I've heard uh, others say, you know, I can count, you almost can count on, the, um, on one hand the number of people who in your life are good listeners. And perhaps... Uh, through our experience of interacting with others and the inability to have someone listen to you might also uh, craft the image of God that you have as someone who is a, you know, a teacher or a judge or someone who's going to, you know, talk down on you, but may never want to listen to your story. And I think that what you're modeling here is uh, a God who wants to to hear from you and wants to hear your concerns and your thoughts and and all of that and so just the very idea that you would take the time to sit with someone and listen begins to open up the trust uh, relationship to the point where they would feel comfortable with 
sharing what's stirring in their hearts. So uh, when so when an opportunity arises where you know the invitation to God to, to encounter God comes about, I think their heart is prepared to share more of what's happening and not to approach God in a way where it's like, okay, I'm going to open this door. I've got to you know come and see God here, and He's going to start telling me this is what you did wrong, this is where I need to change, this is all the different things that I see you doing in your life that I, I don't approve of. No, it's changing that whole landscape and, and, and room, if you will, where a, a person comes into the room and there's God and he's just sitting there and he's saying, I'm listening and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to share, uh, share all of what I have for you, um, but I want to also hear your heart. Mm. And that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful perspective on prayer when you encounter the silence and you realize that there's silence because God is just fully listening to you. And so for people that go to adoration chapels or, or find their sacred spaces at home and have uh, these, uh, these special times in prayer in which they're sitting in the silence, when you realize that God's just listening to you, that experience of receiving that um, is an inspiration to go and do that for other people as well. And so grounding this in prayer is fundamental to be able to listen well because you receive that experience from God in which you know that he's listening to you and then you can go and share that with other people as well. And so that's part of the missionary aspect, um, having it grounded in prayer in which it's really a work of the Holy Spirit. It begins with this uh, realization that God is listening to you. And so you can go and do that for other people as well. I, I love that. I'm, I'm just, again, returning to something you had said earlier, Deacon Richard, about Christ shows us the example of accompaniment. He, he modeled and lived and accompanied his disciples. And it was through the time they spent with him that they came, that they were eventually able to bring Christ to others. It's just that it wasn't, it wasn't a formal, you know, 15 minute daily check-in on uh, here's, you know, let's break it down. Here's what I did. It's just come follow me, Eric. You said this right at the beginning, the very, very first invitation to come and spend time with Christ. And from there, the, the accompaniment happens. So when in considering accompaniment, intentional accompaniment, where we're taking people, uh, the invitation to relationship, listening, we've talked about a whole bunch of different things. What's one thing that you would love to just sort of, you know, be the last word that you want to share with, with our listeners? It's easier than you think. <laughs> because of our, like we've been saying, because of our baptism, we have a grace that we don't need to understand to use. It's, it's there. It's ready to be used. And God desires to use us to bring others to him. So my invitation, I guess, is just get started. Get started and have fun with it. Um I, I I'm gonna butcher the quote, but it's growing up. I watched so much Magic School Bus, and I remember Miss <laughs> Frizzle's invitation 
to the class before they would go do their next crazy zany adventure would always be uh would it be get ready get messy make mistakes i don't know i'm gonna have to look it up i'm gonna have to pull up my phone here but probably delete that my final word is listen just try it out think of someone in your life that you truly want to bring to the lord it's probably been someone that you've you've been involved with uh, for quite a while and just try it out in the next conversation to listen better than you ever have in your life with this person, to be fully engaged. And you'll be amazed at what the Lord can do when you really um, give him that opportunity to speak when you just listen well to someone else. I think my final word uh, comes from something you mentioned, uh, Raf, that uh, a missionary disciple accompanying another isn't just hanging out. Uh, certainly there's a, a lot of aspects of hanging out, friendship, all that stuff, uh, but it includes knowing where we want to take someone, and it includes the opportunity or seeking the opportunity in the right context to share Jesus and to invite someone to discipleship with Jesus or invite them to the mission that Jesus invites us into, which is to make disciples. Amen, indeed. So if you got, you, if you got the big magic school bus quote that's going to change the world, Raph, <laughs> it better be good. <laughs> okay, well, Miss Frizzle once said, take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Those were her final words before every single awesome adventure the Magic School Bus and kids did. And that's my invitation to anyone who is a potential missionary disciple, anyone who felt that call at the upper room, or even just that that sense that God is preparing you for a mission, a mission that he's designed specifically for you. There it is again. Take chances, make mistakes, get messy. There you go. Well, I think we'll wrap up our podcast episode with those words from the ever so wise Miss Frizzle. <laughs> and uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, to line that back up to proclaim, I'll, I'll say that life lived on mission is a is an adventure. And as we continue to grow in holiness, we're also invited to grow in mission. And this is where the proclaim movement uh, stands to invite people to mission, to share Jesus with others, to accompany them, to love them, to listen intently and fiercely uh, to their hearts uh, so that uh, God can come in and move, not only in our hearts, but in the, those whom we love. Uh, we will share some of the resources around the intentional accom accompaniment model that CCO offers. And yeah, thank you so much, uh, Deacon Richard, and thank you, Raf, for taking the time to share some of your insights, your stories, and we are so looking forward to what God has in store for you, for your ministry, and for your leadership. Mm -hmm.